pay attention. We're gonna teach you something real special. Real special today. This is two coins. Two coins. Two coins. My boy Wally. Wally. Then Ronnie. Ronnie. Wherever you're at, we're at. Showing two sides of the same coin. Let me know what y'all think. Two coins. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter today. Yo, 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 welcome back to the Two Coin Podcast. It's your boy Ronnie. And I am your boy Waleed. And today's episode is brought to you once again by White Claws because we chugging a lot of the motherfuckers. And San Pellegrinos at the same time. Hey man, we got we got whole gang with us. I want to say a couple special guests. We, we gotta we, we're gonna have a hectic we episode today for sure. For sure. Facts, man. But you know, we got the one and only Tati. You hey. know, hey. we got her beautiful. Spot. A beautiful girl, Avery's out with us, you know, and then regulars of the guests, KD, and the one and only Ahmed, you know, yeah. making their regular appearance. It wouldn't be right without them. Yes. Yes, not, sir. Not, not a special guest, just a guest at this point. We, just, we always here. So <laughs> I, want, I want all of our listeners to know that we spent at least 45 minutes trying to set this shit up because oh, it's like six people on this pod and we're all like recording <laughs> remotely and it's just, you know, but we got it going now. So let's get it. Man, it's funny, bro. <laughs> we literally sat there. We like, all right, we're gonna do five thirty for pre production, and now it's six thirty in pre production. <laughs> so, goddamn yeah. hour. That's bro. how it goes. <laughs> That's how it goes. But That's hey, listen, I want to jump right into it, man. Like the past three or four episodes, dive in. The past three or four episodes, everybody knows what we've been talking about. The climate needs no um, introduction. The conversations that everybody's having, like. Um, Within their closest circles, it needs no introduction. So that's exactly the type of conversation we're going to have right now. Um, So the first thing that we want to talk about is the lynchings that are going on all over America, um, specifically with uh, Robert Fuller. Um, So for all of our listeners, if you haven't heard by now, you've probably been living under a rock. Uh, But if not, let me give you a little backstory of the whole thing. So um, a young 24-year-old man named Robert Fuller um, was found hanging from a tree in front of the city hall in Palmdale, California. Uh, So the body was... Found hanging at like 3 a.m. Wednesday, and then by Friday morning, the Palmdale PD came out and said that they officially confirmed that it was ruled a suicide. So right after that, um, all the local Palmdale people got on uh, social media and started making the rest of America aware of, you know, what was going on with this type of situation. And as soon as I read the story, I knew that it was a cover-up um, because first of all, like no black man is going to go hang themselves by a rope on a tree. That's just not happening. And the fact that they're trying to divert from the fact that it was a lynching and they're trying to say it was uh, a suicide honestly makes me sick to my stomach because that lets me know that either A, um, they're not going to enforce or punish whoever did it and that they agree with whatever they did and B, uh, that the police department did it themselves. So it's one of those two things, right? And I feel like it's up to us as the people to, 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 you know, get to the bottom of it and get some answers. But Tati and uh, Avery, I want to go to you guys because, you know, being from Palmdale and being locals from that city um, and being part of the community that helped push, you know, uh, this to be like a news story, like nationwide. First of all, for, for all black people, like whenever we hear of uh, confirmed lynching, like it all hits us deep. But being from the city, please let me know how. It felt when you heard the news at first. So it was easily devastating. Um, I grew up in Palmdale, Lancaster, um, from five, six years old. And uh, Lancaster, uh, Palmdale was built on military. So there's Edwards Air Force Base, NASA, Lockheed. And so Palmdale was the outskirts of L.A., 
where a lot of people migrated because they had nice jobs, predominantly white jobs. So the first couple people that made Palmdale were white as fuck. I hate to say that. Um, so as Palmdale progressed, it was already a predominantly white area where displaced people from Los Angeles, because they couldn't afford it anymore, moved up to Palmdale. From the Valley to Los Angeles to Long Beach. So you have your African-Americans that have been gentrified out of L.A., moving into Palmdale. Uh, there's a prison out there. It was kind of already set up for a city that was predominantly white, black people being pushed into it, and racism just occurred, if that makes sense. Um, and so when we hear about a lynching, I've been put in the back of a car for throwing a house party. It's not I've been arrested us. with cuffs. Not for being us. a fifteen-year-old girl throwing a house party at my own home, or with my mo- my mother's own home, with my mother there, with my mother there, so Palmdale's already been a place where we, as African Americans, know to be careful. Take your hat off. Don't drive around with sunglasses. If you're driving around with your hat, make sure you take it off because they're going to consider you a gang banger. So, in Palmdale, racism is deep already. So with racism being a little bit more deep and with everything going on, it really does, uh, we hear about a lynching. Black men do not lynch themselves. Black men do not hang off of ropes. And especially in the Palmdale community, we know that that's not the case. Um, So so when we first heard about this, we knew that it was blatant racism that we have seen before, and that was being covered up because we have seen that before. We grew up in a racist city. And I'm not going to say that Palmdale is not a great city, but all the way down to our mayor, Rx Paris, who has been the mayor since 2008, has been adding racist and uh, subjective uh, legislation to Palmdale and Lancaster. This is not new to us. So let me ask you this, Tati. Um, yes. In terms of just like Palmdale's geography and like race yes. and everything. So every time I go to L.A., the one thing I always notice is how segregated L.A. is, right? Like you got yeah. your South Central and all the surrounding neighborhoods and then you... You go like probably 20 minutes on the freeway, you run into Beverly Hills and it's a completely different story. Is it the same way like in Palmdale where it's like there's black people on one side of the city and then there's the other white and you got the racist rednecks on the other side of the city? No, what happens is that everybody's intermingled, but it's more on economics. You have more money, you live on the west side, you live in Quartz Hill, the Ana Verdes. So So the predominantly white or more wealthy people live up in the hills. Everybody else lives in modern-day Palmdale, Lancaster, which isn't up in the Anniversary's Courts Hill or by on the west side, which we call it is where, like, the mall is and where you see a lot of jobs and the economy booming. Black people are usually set up in the areas where they're not, where there's a lot of liquor stores, where there's a Rite Aid, where there's a, a setup where we're not supposed to grow. And that's the first thing I noticed as I got older in Palmdale was that black people were set up in apartments, liquor stores, nine, $0.99 stores, fucking Dollar Trees, and that's all we had in our area. But when I go to Quartz Hill, there's a mall, there's a Staples, there's a Best Buy, there's a Barnes & Noble, there's a uh, Kumon for your kid to learn how to read. There's a, there's so many other things in that area compared to the area that majom, majom, like predominantly white people are. So we see that um, when I grew up, my, my mom had to lie about where we live for my little sister to go to the best school in the city. Wow. So, Damn. like, just based on you being a resident, right? So, like, do you think... Because if you ask me, like, an outsider looking in, I'm going to automatically say the police did it, right? 
but you know the demographic better than I do being a local. So would you say it's more so you want to pin it on the police or um, just a racist white dude that's being protected by the police? I'm going to pin it on Mr. Rx Paris, Mr. Steve Bauer, our, our mayors and our, and our, our high legislation in Palmdale. Rx Paris has been the mayor since 2008, and all I've seen is more jails and more people on the street. I've seen more people get arrested. I've seen more friends die of car accidents because no street lights, stuff like that. But I'm still paying my taxes every day. So really what I'm seeing personally, I see the city growing. I see the gentrification that's coming to the city. But I also see the cops have been covering stuff like this up for years from the Gabriel Fernandez setup. Little boys getting killed. In oh the shit! Work. Gabriel Fernandez did happen in Palmdale, Palmdale, right? Yeah. Gabriel oh, Fernandez happened in Palmdale. That. So let's let's uh, let's let's directly associate that with something of the sort of minority groups not being paid attention to because of the areas that they live in. Yeah, I was gonna say Palmdale. Palmdale was kind of played with this this history Palmdale of tragedy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got this history of tragedy. I have a, a good friend of mine that was actually from Palmdale. And, I, and I've heard some of the things that came out of that city, and it's just kind of, it's shocking to see that it's coming out of there. But once again, I'm not surprised because just hearing you speak about it, Tati, and saying that they gentrified all these people out of their original places and out to the city. And even then, they're like still trying to gentrify them out. Um, I'm not surprised, and it's kind of sad to see. But for you to know that it's coming, or it's a direct effect of the legislature, of, of the legislator, ugh, excuse me. Um, it's good, yeah, it's legislator. It's good to, it's good that you know exactly who to direct, who to direct your energy towards, because that's always a good thing. Directly, yeah. it's directly to the L.A. school district, mm-hmm. L.A. Los Palmdale sheriff, Palmdale mayors, Palmdale legislative, and it's directly there because somebody who grew up and went to schools there, I didn't learn a goddamn thing. If that makes sense. I mean, I, th- I think that's another conversation to be had too because. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to a point now where I think all everything I've learned in the public education system, because I've been in just public schools my whole life, right? For a long time, yeah. We all have degrees. My whole life is just public schools. Mm-hmm. So I think I didn't learn shit there, and I didn't retain any of the information that I learned in any of those classrooms, be it middle school, elementary school, high school, college, right? Especially when it when like it concerns history. So when like 13-year-old me was disinterested in history 100%, and I didn't know anything about you know, like finding this subject interesting, right? But mm-hmm. after I graduated college, I started like doing my own research and shit. And like, I found out that there's a history that we weren't taught in schools that's directly affecting me. And there's a reason they've been suppressing that shit. And I think the whole world is kind of like opening their eyes to that fact that they're, um, you know, kind of picky and choosy on where um, they want you to be aware of certain things that happen, right? So... Now that I found like an interest in history, I've been starting to do my own research and I've been really learning that, you know, the public education system didn't really teach us shit. Oh, it didn't it didn't teach us anything in a place like Palmdale where things are so heavily controlled because it's not really a big city. We're a part of the L.A. school district, but we're so far out. The L.A. school district is humongous. And so when you're the outskirts school, you don't get the funding and you don't get what you think you should get. And as a student... Personally, it's either you're pushing into sports or you're pushing into like gate classes and um, extracurriculars that they want you to be into. Luckily, I happen to be a book girl, but all my homeboys were set to be 
athletes, and they were set to turn into athletes from when they were young boys. They would come into class and tell them, let's go outside, let's go to recess. I remember in the fourth grade, all the black guys were sent out of class, not because they were being bad, because they said, let's go out and run some routes, because they know they love to play football. So they were pulling kids out of class during recess, 15 minutes early to run routes, so that they could play on their teams. Damn. And I saw that young. KD, I saw that very young. K- KD, I want you to speak on this because I'm not sure if the, if the listeners really heard us have these conversations yet, but um, you were talking about this a lot, about how the only thing that can move us forward is education. So I want to know how, what your opinions on that topic is. Well, everything is by design. Like, it's not by a mistake that the way things are set up the way that they are. Like, certain things, like, we aren't taught certain things until we get into... Uh, college and we're lucky enough to go to college some people just don't choose to learn so like where do I start where do I start I'm trying That's to like the question. Question. where do you start yeah keep, keep bleak okay so let's start here um, US history as a concept we're taught uh, that we left the UK like everything was good everything is framed to be a positive we aren't taught the little details so we're literally lied to within u.s history uh example george washington's teeth weren't wooden they were actually pulled from slaves uh what they don't teach us is they teach us that slavery happened and that we somehow overcame it they don't teach us that uh that during that turn and that turner the way that he died he was skinned alive turned into like a fucking lampshade things like that they don't teach us the brutal uh reality of history they teach what they want us to know uh, even down to some people say that, oh, I don't like to read, I don't like to learn, and things like that. It's not that you don't want to learn. It's not that you don't like to read. It's just the way that our our school curriculum is set up is that we learn so much filler bullshit that you feel like you have a negative connotation on learning itself. Um Everything about the U.S. history system or just the U.S. education system is built on filler because it comes from the viewpoint of we're trying to build as many worker employees as possible. We're not trying to facilitate people who are interested in higher learning and bettering themselves. Because why would you? If you are more enlightened and you're more fully educated on what's going on, you probably don't want to be a worker, quite frankly, or at least in America. Uh, So they teach you just enough that you can get by and that you can't break out of the mindset that they set up for you. They teach you how to be a robot, man. And They teach you how to be a robot. They, they, what they do is they teach you what things are, for the most part. They don't teach you to question things. Well, when I got to school, I thought that I wanted to get to school because that's just what, I, what it was. I never really questioned it. I was like, all right, cool, I want to go to college. That's just what it is. My mom went to college. She was the first in our family to go to college. Same with my dad. I was like, all right, cool. That's just a natural thing, as well as I also want to play football within it. Uh, Basically, you were, you, were, you were submitting to the status quo, is what the rest of us were doing, too, also. Well, it was, it was just normal. Like, yeah. like that's just what... It, it was seen as that right there. Like, it was seen as, like, that's what you do. Um, I was never taught to question it, though. Like, why is that what you do? What happened is my second year... Um, I, I equate to this. My second year, I had a class on, like, philosophy aesthetics, and we get into the, it's one of my, like, elective classes, like, one of the GE classes before you get to, like, your main shit, and we got in there one day, it's, like, a, a Tuesday, Thursday, like, 
noon class and I'm like I'm on top of my shit I'm, I'm trying to get good grades I'm trying to do well and I'm trying to make the football team and everything so I'm like alright cool I'm gonna go to this class we're not really talking about shit quite frankly but uh, I'm just gonna go to this class even though it has nothing to do with why I'm actually here as far as education goes so th- we get in there this guy comes in here this old man uh, I swear he's high out of mine and we spent a good 45 minutes talking about beds and circles I shit you not we we had talked we had read books on um, Aristotle and this motherfucker goes up and we're talking about beds and circles this whole point was like alright uh, there are you can draw a circle but it's not a real circle because there's the image of a circle in your mind just like oh it, beds don't really exist it's the image in your mind so I'm talking back and forth with him because I'm trying to participate and there comes a point where I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a second, what the fuck are we really talking about? Like, why are we really here? What does this have to do with anything? How does this help me get better? Matter of fact, why am I even in school, in college, if this is what I'm paying so much for? This is what my money's going towards. Yeah, this is what my money goes towards, like, to have some bullshit conversation about beds and circles. And then that's where, like, my grades started dropping, because I started saying, fuck everything, I'm going to learn things independently. But that's that's the point. They, They teach you... Just enough so that you can be a good, productive worker. Mm-hmm. Because the way that our, our society is set up, with white supremacy, but beyond that with capitalism, you have to look at what the focal point is. The focal point is money. So if you think of everything in terms of making the most money as possible, it all makes sense. Why would you teach your employees... Uh, to question detail? that structure. To, to question things, but just the minute details of uh, of George Washington's teeth or just, like, what happened in Nat Turner or, like... Aunt uh, Jemima. I didn't know like, about Aunt Jemima until yeah, this why, past weekend, why, and it was why so teach, obvious. Why teach them things that uh, are actually... That actually do matter to building a better human being and a better society when you could just teach them X, Y, Z and have really good workers. I can answer that because they want to keep you brainwashed and because the truth is going to make them question everything because your truth is fucked up, right? So right. when you when we say status quo and they're teaching you to be a worker, when you say they're teaching you to be a worker, they're teaching you how to conform to the status quo. And the status quo is white supremacy. And white supremacy means if we can hold this um, system up, that means we you know, cannot let blacks really be aware of their true history. I agree. Not only just black people, but every other like like disenfranchised group obviously the blacks are the most disenfranchised group in america right but they never tell the real truth behind everything they always have like this white savior mentality that you know just clouds our judgment and like gives us like opinions to form when we're young before we even know all the facts and that's just like some bullshit it makes you no money to teach a real education or of something of actual value if anything it hurts the amount of money that you would make so everything is viewed from that perspective uh and you can tie it into race which obviously it does tie into or you can expand it into just how we learn things in general uh we are just taught what is we are taught not to question it like why is it that everybody is so married to things like nine to five when nine to five started uh way back in like the 30s with like model t fords and, and henry ford and things like that like it's it's not a system that has worked for that long but we're taught to be so married to it that we don't question certain things because it doesn't make enough it doesn't make money to question things it makes more money just to like let things go as they go um then when you tie race into it it ties into who do we actually want to be the beneficiaries of this capitalist system that we have and it is uh white people especially now where we're fully aware of the whole quote-unquote 
tanning of America thing. There's this backlash against it, this idea of tanning of America. So now white people are just acting really aggressive because they don't want to lose out on being the majority. They don't want to lose holding the power. They feel like it's inevitable that they might lose it if everybody is some sort of mix or everybody is black or everybody is like Hispanic. No, no, it's not. It's yeah, it's that plus the fact that Hispanic. But uh. I mean, I've always said American society is like not sustainable, right? You bring in all these different people from different corners of the world. And now they have generations on generations of descendants. And now they're learning to live with one another and calling this place home. Right. But it's only set up to, to, to benefit one certain group of people. So inevitably you're going to wake up and you're going to find out that truth. And you're going to have animosity towards that one certain group of people, which are the elites. And it's built exactly like how the Roman empire was built, right? The Roman empire Mm -hmm. had like the elites at the top. And then they had everybody else. Everybody else was basically a slave working to keep the economy going. So the elites can feed off it, right? And it's the same shit that's happening now. Everybody that's in the middle class or like the lower class is not like reaping the, the fruits of their labor, right? They're still struggling. They're still doing that. And it's just only the elites benefit, right? And the elites and are the why, wealthy, rich, white folk. And that's why right now we're jumping out of that horse. They didn't know we was coming out of this fucking horse. Hmm. <laughs> Did they ever know? Did they ever know? And that's what that, I was that, in the, I was in the horse waiting because mm-hmm. let's go back to when let's I'm I'm gonna give you a this is gonna wrap up Palmdale and Robert Fuller right here. When I was in the fourth grade, it was either you're going to the gate, gifted and talented, and science and math. Bro, hey, hey, not, not to interrupt you, not to interrupt you, Tati, but they put me in that bullshit and I had to fucking yeah, yeah. bust the class yeah. every Saturday. I yeah, but let that. me let me tell let me tell you how it went. As in, either you're gonna act right and go to gate program and be with the same teacher for two years, or we're gonna make it seem like you can't read and put you in resource in fourth grade without parents. I was brought into a meeting. That was pretty much set up as a disciplinary median, like medium, and it was pretty much set up as in, you want to continue to act the way you act and dress the way you act and be the leader in the classroom that has everybody following you. We're gonna put you in resource. You shut your fucking mouth. We're gonna put you in the gifted and talented setup. And I remember I won Clipper tickets that year and other little, other little gifts. And I'm in the fourth grade. Well, that's the same thing for me. Me being a Hispanic woman, looking like a Hispanic woman. However, I'm Mexican and black. Same thing happened for me. I went to a basically almost a private school. And during that same time, I was gifted with all these things. However, I, I was immediately given the gate opportunity immediately they wanted me to go to the gate opportunity and they wanted me to do college and high school at the same time but that's because it was based off of my color it wasn't it wasn't based off of me Mm -hmm. being black but they didn't see black when they saw me they saw a hispanic woman that's what they saw so that's the difference between tatiana going to a separate school versus me going to in the same city the same city in the same city but a different school but they saw something different in me than what they saw in her so they they told her something different than what they told me and let's not mention my little sister and avery went to the same school together the same school my mom had to bribe to get, to get my little school. sister into However, the same school that my mom had to literally come and pick my sister up every day because they started to complain because my mom had a babysitter that picked my little sister up. Yeah, and that, However, and that just kind of brushes I off on the whole topic of colorism too, I would say. 
Uh, that's yeah, been a whole topic. Yeah, it's been a whole topic with me and Wally that we've been discussing lately, and it's just it's astounding that you get treated completely different based on that whole ideology of colorism alone. Like just because you're a little bit darker, not even a couple tones, just one or two tones darker. You're gonna exactly. get completely the different treatment that another person. No, and th- and this is this is definitely like a conversation that needs to be had. Absolutely, because if we're talking about privileges, yeah, there's privileges within the black community too. Within, yes. And I I can attest to that like first firsthand, right? Like, if if you're like a certain complexion, that's let me figure out the right way to put this, right? Because Aries Spears, and yeah, yeah, Aries <laughs> yeah. Spears. You don't have to put it a certain way because it happens in the Mexican culture everywhere. If you're yes. a lighter skinned Mexican yeah. or if you're a lighter skinned Puerto Rican, they you're respected more. So across all cultures. You don't have to put it anywhere. If you're but if you're the blanco, if you're more fair skinned, then you're gonna. But also for me, it hits me. It hits me differently. It hits me differently simply because my sister is dark skin. We have the same father, the same mother. However, my sister is dark skin. But I've seen my sister sit up in detention three, four times a week, and I've never had detention. That is simply because I am two shades dark, uh, lighter than my sister is. But my sister is completely dark skin. My sister, it looks like and is labeled as a black woman rather than I am labeled as a Mexican woman. However, we have the same father and the same mother. Avery, Avery, like, I just want to build off of that just really quick, not to interrupt anybody's next point. No, no, you're okay. Talk your shit. If we're talking about light skin, like, privilege and shit, like, it does exist. And building off of what you said, like, the different siblings with, like, different skin complexions and shit. So I only have one sister, right? I have a sister in the middle who's younger than me and then I have a, a younger brother. And my sister is uh, just like a shade darker than me and my brother, right? And being that she's a woman, um, we know that black women get treated, you know, very differently by medical yes. experts, right? So every time my sister goes to the doctors for like just anything, right? She's very scared to talk to any of the doctors because there was one episode like when she was a baby and like we were on the East Coast as like an immigrant family from Africa, right? Like my dad was an immigrant and at the time, I was like five years old. My sister was like three. But obviously, you can see that she was like way darker than I was. And my dad is darker and my mom is light skinned. So we go to the, um, the hospital because my, uh, my sister is like sick with some shit. And they try to like convince and talk my dad into giving her like some sort of AIDS vaccine or like STD vaccine. And mind you, his, his English at the time like wasn't very strong, right? Um, but he immediately like smelled something fishy. He smelled something fishy just because of, like how nice the doctor was being and her trying to recommend, uh, a treatment that she didn't need at the time. They bought her in for like a cough or like a fever or some shit. And she's talking about like sexually transmitted disease for like a two year old girl. And some geeky shit, bro. Yeah. So like my, he immediately fought that and he ended up just like cussing everybody out and just took us out before they could even like check up on her. And like ever since she was like eight years old, my dad has been telling her that story and just telling her to like be careful with like anytime she goes into like a medical facility or a doctor's and that's made her a little bit paranoid. So that's, I think, a perfect example of, you know, the, the preferential or different type of treatment you get because I, I used to call her crazy when I was a kid, right? Like I never had any problem with the doctor. I was like, what the fuck, you're bugging. But she had this irrational fear of, of being in a medical facility that I didn't understand until I was way older. So And what I I need I need you men to understand that for a woman 
it's very different regardless of my color. For a woman, it's very, we're looked at as the weaker sheep. We're, looking at, we're looked at as the prey. Because in the end, black people are looked at as the prey as well, in general. They're, they're the predator and we're the prey. But think about even a smaller subcontext of black women. Mm -hmm. And you guys know me. I'm the strongest. You guys know me. I am very educated, very strong. There's nothing that the boys can't tell me. I can talk sports with you guys. I can talk politics with no problem. But to the rest of the world, black women are all the way at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy that you're able to now be visible to the sister, your sister and what the problems are in America without you even knowing. And I appreciate that you grew up and understood that, like, shit's fucked up for black women. And we're yeah. their first fucking dummy. But, I, well, but shit, not this even that, it's still continuing. For the simple fact, me and Tatiana went to the airport. We went to the airport. We were going to check in, and her being a black woman was completely different than me being a mixed woman because I went to go check in into TSA, and as soon as I walked up, they asked me how old my child was. So now I'm her child. Let's not mention I'm three years older than Avery. She's the more light-skinned woman. I'm a little dark-skinned. I'm dressed in sweats. And this is, this is Sacramento International Airport. I'm putting you on fucking blast. Fuck you, and I'm going to tell you what's up. Because I went through TSA twice and was discriminated against twice for my age. And for, for people to come up to me and be like, how old is the child? They asked me personally how old the child was, and I looked around like, okay, what baby am I carrying? You guys know I'm grown as fuck. And Tatiana and looks nothing younger. That is younger. some bullshit. I would start swinging twice. on a motherfucker. Looks nothing Wait, younger. Not this is twice in like six months. It's not like, oh, it happened to me one day. It happened to me and her twice traveling out of Sacramento International Airport. You guys know I fly out of San Jose all the time. Yeah. And they asked me that simple question of how old the child is, and I Multiple looked at Multiple times. Them. They wouldn't let me go through TSA until I told them how old I was as if she was my mother. But at the end of the day, it isn't even about them... It's not even about how old you are. It's the simple fact that they even have the audacity to ask you how old you are, considering mm -hmm. that... I was the first one to walk up and to get my shoes checked, and they asked They wouldn't simply, even let me take my fucking shoes off, Ali. They wouldn't even let me take my shoes off. They thought I was about to run something, something up. Let's not mention I'm a 5'2", 100-pound female. <laughs> and then, and then we walk through, and they pat you down they as well down. as check your bag. They pat me down. They go through my hair. Yo, they went through when, my I hair. Tell you, when I tell you, Tati, you met my mom. Like I hate I traveling I with mom. my mom. Because I just be getting like really pissed at TSA agents. They just like single her out and just pat her down every fucking and that, time. And, and that's why I'm so happy that you're able to say that, okay, at first I didn't know why my sister was tripping. And I didn't understand that story. But now that I circle back and I have more black female friends and I'm able to pay more attention, that you're relevant. Well, it also so makes what's sense. what's going on. It's also crazy to see that you dating an African-American and a Mexican girl that's mixed, mm -hmm. seeing the difference between that as well as seeing the difference between someone that's African-American. Yeah. That goes through your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, I agree. You see the complete difference, and that's what makes you think, like, what are we really doing? And that's why when we talk about Robert Fuller, to get back on conversation, and we talk about the death of Robert Fuller's brother, as we as we wanted to speak about before, which I can't find really good information on, so I know that none of you guys were able to find really good, solid information on Robert Fuller's brother. But when we talk about racism, it does slide into sexism. And when Palmdale is going crazy, it's not because of this specific incident. 
It's because racism is the broad view, while police brutality is the subcontext. And that's why we're here today. Yeah, it's police brutality just like a branch of systemic racism. Yes. It's, o- it's only one aspect of it. And that's I the thing agree. that white people need to understand. It's like after we figure this shit out, however long that takes, we ain't done yet. Yeah, that because is what made the. Um, we haven't even gone into that, that, jobs, hiring discrimination, and just a load of other topics. But yeah, I'm not. I'm, we're not even get into that. We got other topics that we got to cover for the. Yeah, time being. that made the development of the hey, protest but, pretty hey, interesting. One thing I want to say with everything going back to what Ahmed said earlier, mm. uh, I think it was Ahmed. You you brought up like education and uh, people not like you know what I mean not being. I think Wally touched on a little bit too, especially like. The education we received is like, you know, I mean, elementary, middle, high school. It's trash. And I'm speaking on behalf of like people that immigrants that aren't black. You know what I mean? People that come come to this country as a first generation or you know what I mean? Us not being taught what's going on kind of affects our perception growing up in the world. Me personally, like, look, I grew up in the suburbs of Wanna Creek. You feel me? I understood Mm -hmm. that I was an individual or I was, um, you know what I mean? quote unquote, unique before I even came to the States because out of my family, I'm the only person that's living out in America. You know what I mean? Right. So add that to the fact that we're not even being taught the true history of this country. Kind For me personally, I didn't, I, I didn't personally dive into like what the fuck is going on until probably like my junior or senior year as far as like American history and as far as it's past. I personally feel like not even just for Indian kids for like even, you know what I mean? any other immigrant kid coming out here and growing up not being able to, or not being taught that kind of knowledge gives them a fucked up perception of what's really going on in the place that they live. And I think going back to them trying to suppress that, uh, you know what I mean? Suppress that kind of education from like that next generation creates a sort of rift or creates a sort of uh, misunderstanding on, you know what I mean? What really went on before we got here, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and they they structure it in a sense to where it's, any immigrant coming in, and I don't want to offend it, but like they structure it to a sense where any any immigrant coming in should tap dance for the white man if they wanna if they wanna get hey, far bro, in society. Hey, hey, but Boy, see, hey, but, but see, shoes. hey, you're not you're not you're you're not lying about that, bro, because you have to also think like being an immigrant coming from a different country, we got our own fucked up problems. Like me personally yeah. speaking, like bro, we got our own bullshit going on in India. Yep. So when you think about an Indian family immigrating to America, we come out here. The lifestyle and the life that we're giving out here is a lot better than what we're giving back home. Yeah. That still that still doesn't take away from the fact that, you know what I mean? It's different if we go to certain European countries or this and that. And then, like, for example, we go to England. Like, we know England's history because England, con- you know what I mean? They colonized us for how many years? They, you know what I mean? Rape went through all that shit with our people. But when we come to America, it's almost as if they try to give us, like, this blank slate. It's of, a blank slate. That's what they say. You know what, know what I mean? Like, that, that <laughs> nothing's wrong. Like, the best thing that I see, uh, the best way I can put it, I seen this meme the other day, and it was talking about, um, what do you call, American uh, American education system about uh, in regards to history. And it was just like, oh, yeah, Lincoln, uh, there was slavery, but Lincoln came through and he freed everybody, so it's all good. Yeah, there was racism <laughs> in, the, in the 90s, but Martin Luther King came and everything was all good, so I don't know what's going on. By you not teaching the kids is just like, once that kid that's six, seven, eight, nine, for example, a white kid going through his entire adolescence not knowing his fucked up past gives him that's why that's how I see that whole Well, uh, because I mean, to to put it like frankly, like this country was built on evil and they don't want people to know that. Okay, exactly. you wanna know no, what facts. 
You want to well, know I mean, what they do? History is always written what by the do, oppressor, though. What they do is, is they want to make, when you come to the country, they want to make, they want to sell you the dream. They're salesmen. I sell cars yeah. for a living. When you guys come, to, when any, any of us come to America, they want to sell this, okay, we couldn't run this without you. We need you here, bro. We American need dream. You, we, we sell this American dream, but in the end, we just want to benefit off that. So even going back to our, our first couple hundred years of America, it was a scam from the jump. The yep, Europeans the have always been a scam from everything they stole from Africa to India to anywhere else, from, from your black Puerto Ricans, everybody in Cuba. We can go on for days about those little those little things from sugar, you know what bro. I'm saying, to diamonds. Yeah. Hey, I, I met, I heard you say earlier, you was talking about it's like history taught from the oppressor, right? Yeah. The perfect, the perfect example for how a history being taught by the, uh, the oppressor, me being Christian, me being Catholic, bro, think about the Jesus that I was taught to worship when I was young, you know what I mean? A Caucasian Jesus, white. Because me, hey, me and my pops, we have this conversation all the time, and we talk <laughs> about how it's just like it's crazy how people Jesus that, <laughs> bro, Jesus looks like me, dog. Like, he does not look like a goddamn real, Jesus bro. from Baghdad, my nigga. Like, hey, man, hey, man, Jesus literally looks like the, Let the know, same bro. exact people that. The entire Americans during the entire uh, you remember like all all of Bush's uh, administration, yeah, all that hatred that was going on towards the Middle Eastern people, all that shit that happened to people. Brett, quote me on this: Jesus looks exactly, if not close to the motherfuckers that bombed the uh, what do you call it, World Trade Center <laughs> than he does any of the past forty presidents before. Uh, uh, facts, hey, facts though. That's, that's facts, it. bro. If you literally look at human history, it makes no sense why Jesus would be white. Like, if you look at human history, it makes sense why Jesus is white. Think about all the Europeans throughout history that colonized so many different lands. What are you going to do when you're over here trying to colonize lands? Are you going to teach the people that well, you're colonizing? Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Jesus I get looks how, like I, them I or Jesus how, looks like me. I get how you know Im- I mean? imperialism bled into uh, theology. Like once you, once you dominate a land... They have to learn everything about your culture, and that includes a religion. So they get to create it from a viewpoint of the winners, and that's down to the New Life translation or the King James translation of the Bible. But like, if you look at it literally speaking, like where humans started in like northern Africa, Africa, closer to the equator, where you would be darker, more tropical climates. It's normal for you, you to be black. Yeah, you would yeah. get lighter the further away you get from the equator. The so, Caucasus Mountains. How would you be white? The Caucasus Mountains. With the whole ideology about like, uh, like my biggest problem with I don't understand why white, like obviously these days is different, like I, I guess, like I don't even want to say majority, I'll give them like a small fraction, like 15% of white people actually understand what's going on. But at the same time, they 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 also nah, but they also understand that like goddamn, bro, like even medical experts have said like white people are more susceptible to certain, you know what I mean, certain medical diseases, this and all that. So now going back to when you talking about the reason I brought up religion was because that really ties into the whole history of this country. How how were you able to oppress a whole 
group of black people that you brought from Africa, how were you able to oppress them? Well, shit, let me let them know that the guy that they close their eyes to, the guy that they go and worship, looks exactly like the guy that's oppressing them. If I do that, then there's nothing they can tell me or there's nothing they can prove wrong. Because even if they try to overthrow that, say, for example, like a group of slaves try to overthrow their plantation owner, they still close their eyes worshiping a white uh, like you guys, guy. And you want to know what? And you want to know what? I hate... You know what really, like, it almost makes me sick. I hate when people are like, Lincoln was our first black president, and black people love Clinton. Wait, what? Listen, listen, listen. (laughs) I'm about to to shed light on all this right now. Fuck George Washington. Fuck fuck Abraham Lincoln. Fuck Bill Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Any Clintons. I don't give a fuck. And I think in the mind... White people like to think that we give a fuck about this white savior. Lincoln didn't save shit. Bill Clinton is not the first black president. I could give a fuck what Bill Clinton did. Bro, Bill Clinton put more police on the streets. Exactly. Exactly. So there's this idea that the media tells that black people have this one white savior, whether it's Abraham Lincoln or whether it's Bill Clinton. And I'm going to let you guys know while... We're going through this whole setup of a political outrage when you think about it. Black people not voting for Hillary. We never wanted to vote for her anyways. And black yeah. people not voting for Biden because you are just like Hillary Clinton. So I, I don't want that narrative to be pushed anymore that there's a white savior. There is no white savior. You know what's funny? I'm glad you brought that up too. It's um, there is no white savior. The, uh, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are like playing tug of war between who deserves the black vote more and the way they're doing it is is how how can who can trick us the best to to get us to be convinced that they're actually doing something for us when they're not doing shit right so and, the, and i'm not the, convinced so the republican party now has trump at the front lines who was an openly racist piece of shit right mm-hmm. black people immediately hate that nigga right and so democrats are salivating at the mouth because now they're thinking, oh, we don't have to say shit, we don't have to do shit, we don't have to push any agenda. As long as Trump is there, these niggas will vote for us, right? Well, that was true in and 2016. Now, no, yeah, yeah. no, it's no, no, no. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's true now, bro. It's, yeah. Until Joe no, Biden, go ahead, go ahead. until Joe Biden comes out with some type of like plan that he has for us, especially in this climate with a fucking election four months down the road, why the fuck should he get my vote? Listen, so, listen, listen. Right. Joe Biden on Breakfast Club, I don't give a fuck about you saying, oh, I automatically think I deserve the black vote at this point. It, systematically, African Americans are more educated than our parents were. We are first generation college educated. We are first generation corporate jobs and to be in this situation where we can kind of tell our parents you're out of pocket if that makes sense you guys lived in a different day we lived in a different day you guys don't understand what's going on and for us for millennials the millennials who don't give a fuck we read right through that shit we read right through all the bullshit we'd rather not vote hey but then a vote for bullshit i'm totally with voting i'm not saying you shouldn't vote but I'm not going to vote for somebody on either side of the spectrum that is not for me, my people, my grandma, my little sister, and whoever else. Hey, but Todd, see, the thing is, is you coming at this with something that we brought up earlier. You actually, you educated along yes. with damn near everybody else in this podcast. That we're you talking I mean? to, yeah. You, you, you guys are all, for, like, you know what I mean, educated black folks. Like, you know what I mean? And that's something that this nation hey. hasn't seen <laughs> In years, you, I don't even want to say years, ever. Like, you feel me? A whole generation of people that actually have, have knowledge. 
So you hide um, that, not, and and it going back to like when we're talking about like the whole Biden and Trump, bro. Like Biden's literally sitting on the fact that people hate Trump so much that they're gonna vote for me. And, that, and that's not gonna up. happen. And because <laughs> let me tell you guys, when I started working at the dining commons, you guys know I always went to San Jose State and I worked the job that nobody wanted to help, wanted to work. And when yeah. I worked at San Jose State, I made sure to actively hire african-americans to hire minorities i actively did my part in a university where we were paying people 15 dollars an hour before minimum wage was even 13 dollars an hour to hire my people y'all know i always offered y'all jobs and food and shit like that even when we didn't have shit come into my job come into my job whatever you need and and that's why when we sit up here and talk about what can we do for our people i put myself front line and i became hr for my people I had over 300 employees and I made sure at least 100 of them were black, regardless of how you worked. And that's the difference. It's like they want our vote automatically and they want this kind of stuff. But what are you actively doing? Just like people that are out protesting right now, not saying you guys aren't actively doing anything. You guys might have something. You don't have to expose it to me. And I've never exposed what I do to help my community either because it's not about that. But when it comes to what we're doing and how we're doing it, I could be upset. And I could be an angry black woman like they want me to be. But my job is to put myself in these superior positions and to be educated, like you said, to elevate my people no matter how much I get beat up. Hey, KD. I will always be the front runner for my people. KD, I want to hear your, I want to hear your opinion on the whole uh, vote thing because all of us are adamantly against voting. I know you have a different opinion, so I want you to play devil's advocate it's here. It's not so much that I have a different opinion on the ideology. It's just I, I've learned, if anything, this year... I can't base my real-life solutions on my ideologies anymore. Uh, the fact is, one of two people are going to win. It's either going to be Trump or it's going to be Biden. Uh, I do not fuck with Biden. I don't fuck with him as a person. The The I Breakfast agree. Club interview was a microcosm of how he thinks in general. Exactly. Truth be told, I don't think either person should be president. I agree. The reality... That's my ideals, really. I think there should be someone who doesn't just think that they earn the black vote just by not being uh, Trump. Try, attempting not to be a, a dictator. Then there's a reality. Reality is me not voting is in favor of the affirmative. Right now, the affirmative is Trump. So by not voting, it still is a vote. So one of the two people is going to be president. I know it's a lesser two evils thing, just like it was in 2016. But it's not like if you don't vote, then the person you didn't vote, like all of a sudden this mysterious candidate. Th- is then there's win. no president. Right, right. It's not like there's not going to be a president if you don't vote. So while I do get that, it sucks because it's, it's black people having to like find a solution for something we shouldn't have to. I'm like, yo... Let's get this nigga Donald Trump out of here because he's actively trying trying to be a dictator. If we can get him out of here, uh, get Biden in, that does not mean that you agree with someone. Um, that does not mean that, that that person is like you agree with every policy that he has. I think the idea of voting is that when you vote for someone, it means that you agree with everything that they're about. That's not what it means. Sometimes it really is just the context of I don't actually agree with this person. In any other, in a normal circumstance, I wouldn't vote for this nigga. Yeah, I mean, the in this situation, is, it's going to be one of two, compromise. and I'd rather have this guy. And if that's going to be the case, then right after he gets in, ideally Biden, then it's like, all right, let's go with this nigga's neck, Biden's neck, and then make sure that he actually does things for black people. Let's let's push for the people that are for black people. Let's push for the people that are for an actual change on a systemic level. But not voting 
uh, to me, just assumes whatever the status quo is. And at this moment in time, the status quo is Donald Trump. Hey, one thing. Oh, my bad. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, you're fine. Nah, hey, what I, what I was about to ask, um, just, you know what I mean, y'all can give me your opinion on this, it was just really something I want to put out there. So going back on, like, we talking about the lesser of two evils, especially, obviously, coming in this election and come more so with the last election, you know what I mean, in 2016. What are y'all thoughts on people, because when I say this, I'm saying it on the sense of, like, the people that vote, like, minorities that voted for Trump, right, mm-hmm. back in 2016. They did so with the knowledge that they had of Hillary and all her, you know what I mean, all the bullshit that she do and like, we need to get, we don't need to get into all that. We all know what's up with Hillary. Right. So what are y'all thoughts on people choosing a lesser of two evils that happen to be Trump? And obviously, four years later, we see, you know what I mean? But at the moment, do you fault people for that? Uh, I fault people if they have the information on how Trump is in this case and they still move in favor of him cuz Trump no I'm talking no I'm talking about with the knowledge that you had in 2016 uh yeah cuz Trump okay, okay. cuz there was enough information prior to him being elected that's why people rioted and protested when he got mm-hmm. elected so yeah. it's like it's not just gaining information it's what you do with it if you gain information on Trump and throughout his whole uh candidacy before he was uh, the president elect he was on the racist rhetoric. He was saying that he'll build a wall. He was exactly who you thought he is now. Um, and he was displaying that. He has been consistent. If nothing else, he's been consistent. It's He sounds great in concept. And what we're realizing is like a lot of people that voted for Trump in 2016 like the concept of him. It's no different than what Kanye was saying a couple years ago about him endorsing Trump and everything. He doesn't actually know. Like Charlamagne, I watched the interview. Charlamagne asked him what he thought about the policy was. He actually doesn't know any of Trump's policies. He just likes him in concept of him being counterculture, of him speaking his mind and everything like that. That's something we can get behind. Until you listen to the mind that he speaks, until you listen to his actual mind and realize that he's just a racist jackass. I also I also think that people need to understand that money makes the world go round. And when somebody's talking about recovering money, people seem to think that that money's going to go right into their pocket. So I think that's a big like appeal setup, and it's very luxurious to a lot of people that Trump is thinking financially, and he's always been a financial mogul, and everybody wants to be Walmart, Amazon, whatever the case is. And when Trump throws out this image of, we're going to make America great again. We're going to bring back American industries. We're going to do that. But guess what? The American consumer doesn't so close. And they don't build cars. And that's not in their makeup. Yeah, we don't hey, do that. Tati, like, just to build off of that, too, it's um, Trump's base is built off of a lot of people that are okay with his racism. But they want to see everything else happen. Like, if you can do everything else, like the wall, the economy, yada, 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 I might not be racist myself, but... I'm willing to let the racism slide, and I'm willing to let black people get killed if you can yes. do that. Then, then you're right? racist. And then, 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 then you are racist. And, yes. that's why, like, like, and that's why we're out here stopping your freeways and crowding your bridges and breaking your windows and fucking your shit up. Because yeah, because you, you cannot be complicit anymore. Like, yeah. it can't, racism can't just be something you brush off the side like, okay, I'm willing to concede racism for the economy. Like, you can't equate those two. Like, these are human lives we're talking about. I'm going to say it right now and make it straight up for everybody. If right now, more than any time, I've worked in corporate America my whole life and I've eaten so much shit 
Bullshit. I'm an African American woman and trying to be professional in the white world. And right now, accountability is number one. And I think a lot of people weren't ready for accountability to be number one from brands to our biggest designers to our biggest stores. They send out their little email and they think that that is what we need and what it was. Right now, I'm sick of getting pulled over. I'm sick of being a predominantly black woman in a predominantly white industry getting abused. So I feel like right now, everything we thought is in politics, COVID, um, our DNA, right now, we are at civil war um, patience. We're at MLK, Malcolm X, patients where you say the wrong thing, I'm about to end everything you do. And everybody needs to be prepared, even black people, before you speak and you don't know, call your PR. Because at this point, if you're not with it, you're against it. And there's only one side. And we've never drawn attention to racism like we've done now. Yep, yep. And I agree, too. So you mentioned, like, accountability, right? And Mm -hmm. Ronnie, me and you love segues. So this is a perfect segue into the next uh, topic that we wanted to address. Accountability for black men, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically in the whole, um, you know, uh, J. Cole versus no name sphere that we're talking about. So like the J. Cole versus no name thing has turned into a, you know, representation of, you know, the differences in an opinion between black women and and, and black Black men. men. And that's a deeper issue beyond racism that we have to address. But before we go to everybody else, um, his opinion on this because I know everybody has a lot to say. I just want to just give my two cents here because, um, you know, speaking as a man, I know my opinion doesn't mean much in, 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 in this type of thing. But, you know, when there's public outrage like this and, you know, there's a certain like dynamic or, or, or group of people that are, 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 you know, visibly upset, I think what everybody else who doesn't understand should do is just kind of hear them out and, and, and why are they... Um, upset and where's the the anger coming from and I think that's kind of what we as black men need to do when 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 you know black women are kind of angry and and complaining about something that we don't quite understand because speaking personally I still don't understand why um, black women are mad at what J. Cole responded to no name what I will agree with is the terrible fact I, I will agree with that it's terrible timing literally the worst time what i'm what i'm gonna say the t- about, terrible timing and the subject matter right what like, i'm gonna say is is that that it really was terrible timing i agree yes because there's everything going on right now and you choose to focus your energy on this but what i don't get is those who were trying to point out his misogyny which i don't see based off of him uh you know like politely telling her to you know, teach me essentially, right? I don't I want you. I don't want you to. Think... I don't want you to like help me understand why that's happening. But I just want to get a sense of where people are coming from, so I can kind of assess the situation a little bit better, right? So people are coming from females and women are coming from this perspective of at this point we need to be one African American, female or male. And yep. so for J Cole on the hugest platform that he could possibly have, some guy that really really does preach this i'm black and i fuck with black bitches and i i like black music for you to come in during a a, a very sensitive time and to passive aggressively so because i want everybody to listen to it and understand that not only did he say that about her he went he went back and said i love no name 
I, I, and this is what the white media does. So the white media loves to say what they want to say and then come back with this very eloquent apology saying, I actually fuck with you. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. Let me, let, me, let me narrate what I'm trying to say. Let me say it in a different way before a rapper that we all listen to. We all listen to J. Cole. So nobody can say they were misinterpreted by his shots at her. It wasn't anything very specific. And it wasn't, he wasn't calling her a hoe or ugly or anything else. It's about this, the fact that black men have never really supported black women. And he shined light on that when he really didn't even have to. He could have sat in the back and not shined light on that. So he could he could have he could have sat in the back and been down with black people in general and not had to come at no name specifically. But instead, as a light skinned black man, I'm gonna put that on blast too, and nah. I hate to say stuff like that. <laughs> he felt that it was pivotal. Let's not mention we didn't hear nothing from any of our other big, and not saying I'm not even calling them out. But he felt that it was important for him to make a whole song we haven't heard from J Cole in years. To come at no name? How about we come at something else? How about we come at somebody who's not black? Yeah, who's well, not I mean, out well, in the street? My thing, my thing, my thing Tati, so, is... So, so, um, so initially, the whole thing... The reason why it even started, or why he even released the song, is because No Name was known for being the tweet and delete t- uh, thief, for the most part, whereas she'd mentioned either, so be it J. Cole... You could, you could draw your inferences on whether it's J. Cole or Kendrick, but she yep, was taking both. initial shots at them. And, I, and I'm not saying, like... He needed to respond at that. But as an artist, and I guess this is kind of why I want to direct it at Katie because he is trying to go into that field. She was as, threatening his character a, with yeah, that too. Exactly. As an artist, like where where's that line between I'm an artist, oh, maybe I should delve into or maybe I should respond because this is how I feel. Like this is my art. This is how I can express myself. Or like, oh no, it's bad timing. Maybe I shouldn't release a song. Like, could you see where J. Cole was kind of battling demons on like, should I release this right now or should I not? Yes. Yes, okay. because let's not mention I am an artist, and mm-hmm. all my friends know that I've released multiple videos, multiple things stating my vulnerability since mm-hmm. I've started college. I've, I've had Wood Morning for years, and okay. every time I release a collection, every time I only use black models, every time I do things like that, there's ridicule. There's hate mail. There's whatever the case is. But in the end, I understand as a rapper, you feel like you need to, you need to respond. But how about all the rap beasts? How about everybody that came at you as a black man rapper? People come at J. Cole all the time. I can I can think of plenty of rap songs where somebody's like, this nigga's weak. Yeah. I can 100%. think of plenty of them. In a subtweet, yeah. But I think I think um and I'm just giving it from J. Cole's perspective, right? And I think where he was saying was, you know, like, yes, I've built my whole career off of black struggle and talking about black struggle and giving it a voice, right? But now I'm nowhere to be found, quote unquote, when uh the whole revolt is going on. But A, I've never been on social media like that to begin with. And B, like, why does it matter if I'm speaking on social media when you just, like, mentioned the fact that I've spent my whole career talking about this stuff? So So, what what does a tweet mean when I'm not even, like, on social media like that? That's my thing. Why do people expect him to, like, come out and, like, vocally speak on social media? Go ahead, KD. So so there's a few things. And again, I'm a black guy. I'm a black man. Uh, I think think context is as as much as importance of the fact itself. The entire thing started from a tweet and delete, no-name tweet, essentially saying that uh, we're out here fighting a revolution, and while we're fighting a revolution, your favorite uh, top-selling rappers aren't really saying anything, right? And quite frankly, we all have like cognitive skills. We, we, we know what she means by that, like Kendrick, 
Cole. Yes. She's not talking about. Uh, We're talking about artists that blatantly make make tracks off of being black. Okay. I'll, put, okay. I'll put Donald so, Glover so, in that in that category too. That's okay, if you want to put, but Donald Glover is in like a top sell. I'll like, put him like in there. If, if you just look at what she said, top selling like artists. We're not talking about Drake because Drake doesn't have a history of like speaking on things like that. Kendrick Cole does. So like you can you can obviously imply that like this is about Kendrick and Cole. Uh, that's what she said, and she probably like double backed on it and then deleted the tweet. The next day, it's seen that Cole is actually protesting at Fayetteville and actually like making. Uh, active moves. He doesn't have a history of tweeting about things. He doesn't have a history of posting things. So, mm-hmm. like, what she actually said from her base tweet was uh, factually incorrect. Like, he does have a history of doing these things. He does have a history of standing up. And then a few days later, it was Kendrick as well. So, her base tweet was... Her tweet was wrong. It was wrong. Her, her, quite frankly... How? You guys because, are from the outside looking in. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm not I'm not getting into his response yet. Okay. Right? I'm just getting it for what the tweet was. Like your top selling rappers aren't using their voice. They're not doing anything. Great. And then he's they're actually protesting. They're out in the field with us. It's like, oh, while well, we're fighting a revolution, your uh, favorite rappers can't even send out a tweet. No, they didn't send out a tweet. They don't have a history of tweeting in general. Yeah. But they were actually fighting the fight. So it's, it wasn't really fair to go at them because they were actually were doing the things that you said that they weren't doing. That... Again, none of this involves any like gender specific thing at all yet. Mm-hmm. Boom. So, from what we have here, her tweet was incorrect on an intellectual level. It was just incorrect. She was wrong and she deleted it after. She might have found that out and deleted it after. J. Cole then responds to it. So, I get the idea that the timing was wrong and I do believe the timing uh, was incorrect. I-, I do also understand the idea that she would respond. Because this is someone who's calling out J. Cole on, like, why aren't you fighting for us when he has a long-standing history? Not just this time, but in previous protests, previous uh, cop killings, unfortunately. He has a long history of fighting for black people. So he responds. Then you look at the response. Because I don't call it a diss because it really wasn't a diss. It, like, it's a dialogue. It wasn't a diss. I don't think it was it, a diss. It wasn't a diss. Yeah. Like, we, like, we had to, like, I don't think it was a diss at all. It no, wasn't we, we got to stop treating it that way. Yeah, so... I'm not treating it as a diss at all. So, again, before all this, there's no gender-specific thing, right? He responds, and he says, like, basically, like, I'm not the smartest guy. Uh, There's a woman who's basically subtweeting about me, and I'm fully aware of it. I feel like it's about me. He's already coming from a point of, like, yo, I'm not sure about things. Like, I'm being really cautious. Like, based off the words that he's saying, he's being really cautious. And then he says there's something about the the Queen's tone that's bothering me in, in, in between a bunch of compliments. The first thing is I do completely understand how when you sell uh, when you say something about the tone of a black woman, I understand how it can be um, viewed as a point where it's coming from a place of misogyny, coming from a place of why are you trying to police me, uh, so on and so forth. I completely understand that. And you wouldn't be wrong in thinking that. Then I look at what he actually said. He never actually said that the, uh, her tone was wrong. He never actually said that she should fix her tone necessarily. Uh, he said how he interpreted it. The entire song is from the perspective of him catching feelings. It's not what she said. It's how he reacted to it. And that's how the entire song went. Specifically, that line was that. So he wasn't necessarily policing a tone. He was talking about his reaction to that tone. He wasn't saying that she was wrong for saying it the way that she did. So that part seemed really weird um, to me 
But I, 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 I get that. I understand that. I personally think that it's really not even about the tone. It's not about the tone of the way women speak or what they say. It's about the fact that we've had to be defensive for so long on what we do say. Mm-hmm. That when we do have... Um, I'm not saying what she said was politically correct at all or whatever. Mm-hmm. the case. And I, I also do not agree with people having to publicly protest or publicly show that they're giving back to the community. I totally understand KD right, on right. that. You do not need to show me that you're doing something for the community if you're actually doing it. I totally agree with that. You don't have to tweet. I'm a Kanye fan. Let's get let's throw this out here right now. I'm a no, Kanye man. fan. It's a hard life out here. It is. But I, I, but I want people to understand how open-minded I am. Even if I sound not as open-minded right now, I'm a Kanye fan. Nigga saw uh, Kanye with a MAGA hat. We're like, hey, let's hear him out. No, oh no, no. I'm a, God, I'm a Kanye man. fan, but I think I think even though we seem to feel that the black woman's connotation is not a problem to us, he got offended by it. And offended in a way that, same way she got offended, where we, it's a, it's a black systematic feel of being emotional. We are passionate. How yeah. many times have, how many times have all of us got an argument and we're just like, fuck man, we're too passionate about this shit. So, wait, wait, so, so let's take that. You know what I'm saying? Like, wait, 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 let's take that and keep going, right? So, he said that like the way that he interpreted what No Name said, you know, it it offended it him. him. And 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 quite frankly, if the the whole tweet again, this is what he's reacting to. What turned out to not actually be factually correct. I mean, I can kind of give him that. I would be pretty offended if you. But like, I also think it's opinion. I don't think she was stating facts on how tall you are, what your color is, and your gender, and things well, that are facts. I think she was opinionating herself on Twitter. Well, hold on. Yes, obviously. But she did say, like, yo, like your favorite top selling rappers basically aren't fighting the fight. And that is opinion, but she's extending it as if it's fact, like your favorite rappers aren't fighting the fight. When that actually is like it's either right or wrong, like that's actually incorrect. So I do understand how J. Cole could be like offended about that, but he has to be like real careful in how he approaches it. Because quite frankly, uh any I understand where it comes from. But it seems like any criticism against someone who is a woman, a black woman specifically, is portrayed as misogyny. And sometimes criticism is just that. It's just criticism. Sometimes it's not like both. Right. Because if you look at what he actually said. I don't think it's offensive. So what he like what I'm. I'm not addressing the cancel culture thing because I, I honestly think that's stupid. I don't think it's worth <laughs> entertaining. But some people did, like, some women did have a hell of merit to what they were saying. They're like, yo, it comes off misogynistic. I completely understand that. If you look at what he actually said, it's not like a gender specific I don't think it's thing. misogynistic. What he ended up saying in the back half of the track, throughout him saying that he's insecure, he's in his feelings, he's all that, was basically like, well, one, it was, why are you, what good is preaching to the choir? But moreover, if you have someone who's, trying to fight the fight with you, be it if it's through black people or to um, pull it to black women specifically and then that digs into other sectors within it. If you have someone who's trying to fight the fight with you and trying to go about things the right way, what do you gain from basically flaming them all the time? Um, They're trying to learn. They're trying to be on your side. They're trying to fight with you and they're trying to get educated. And... By tone, meaning if they're in their process of learning, why is it that you have to flame them, criticize them, all the other stuff throughout that process? Why can't it just be, hey, I'm trying to learn. Can you help me out here? Instead of, oh, go Google Google that. Uh, Go figure it out for yourself. Go do all this shit. That's not like a gender specific thing. It could be attached to anything. And I took it 
I mean, obviously I'm not a black woman, but I took it as like, yo, even if it was a guy, why are you why why move that way? Why move that away? If you're just talking to people who agree with you, you're not really building anything because there are people that already agree with you. So mm-hmm. here are people that are trying to agree with you, trying to get into that, but you spend all your time just like kicking us out the room because we don't know what we Does don't know. Does she spend all her time doing that? Uh, no. So again, now this gets into J. Cole. J. Cole was wrong for the timing. J. Cole was wrong for uh, attaching it to No Name specifically because No Name does have a book club. And it's ironic because J. Cole also has a book club. That started in 2011 in Fayetteville. So it's really ironic. But um, they both have book clubs. Uh, and uh, No Name does promote books that are about the, the, the black plight. Which yeah, is like, like So J. Cole was wrong in attaching that larger point to No Name specifically. I agree. Because it doesn't apply to her specifically. But I also think we have to think wrong for what No Name's tweet is about mogul rappers. Mm-hmm. We could be talking about... Anybody? Did she say J? Did she say J. Cole specifically? Yeah, but if we look at what she broke down in the tweet, no, no, I understand what she broke down in the tweet. But there's a lot. There's a lot of African American men that I can call out right now that haven't said shit. If that makes sense, that that are predominantly huge rappers. Can I? Can I? Can I? I, Made it more of a point that it was the larger. It was the larger artists that. I can pick had five large artists that, right now that haven't tweeted anything about Black Lives Matter right now. There's a lot of artists that haven't, to be honest with you, but it's like we shouldn't even be looking at these artists to tweet something in order to take and action. And I don't. And, yeah. th- and that's why I want to... Okay, real quick. You guys, I'm a Kanye fan. I don't give a fuck about the media. Let's, let's, let's put this into play. It. I want everybody to have a, 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 a round circle part that I don't give a fuck about what anybody says in the media. Personally, because... In the, and I don't need to tweet for you to feel me. You feel me in person. You feel me this way and that way and that way. But... I'm, and I'm also, I do not believe that celebrities have a responsibility to anybody. I'm going to put that out there right now. I agree You're with not you. my role model. What you do doesn't matter to me. You're a regular human who makes regular, normal mistakes. So I'm going to put that out there. All, we're going to lay that flat that all the people we're talking about are just as good as me and just as good as you. Mm. So I also think that we're talking about the criticism of people that think these people are above them or think these people are so much higher than them that that's why they're having this kind of conversation. This is a brother-sister conversation with my black brother and my black sister. And really, they're not mad at each other like I think the media portrays that they're mad at each other. No, no, they're not. We're exercising our opinions as black people do all the time. Coming to my house, we're going to argue all day. That doesn't mean I hate you. That That doesn't mean I'm upset with you. But the media is going to make it seem like No Name hates J. Cole and J. Cole hates No Name. No, they're both learning from each other through the creative measure that they use, which is music. Tati, I agree with you. And I think there's a bigger problem here. And the bigger problem is the fact that um, we as black people like hold celebrities in such a high regard. And, and we you know, shouldn't. Yes, you can talk individually and say, I don't, but as, as like a collective, I agree. We a do. lot of people do. And that's where the whole problem here comes from, right? Like, yeah, I, agree. I, I, I agree with you in the sense that J. Cole and No Name don't have a beef. They're having a constructive type of conversation to I where agree. both sides can hear each other. But the thing with that is, um, the regular, you know, black common man, the average Joe, like black doesn't person, doesn't understand that. It doesn't. So it ends up being a situation where the black men take J. Cole's side and the black women take No Name side, and mm-hmm. they kind of twist their words to fit her narrative, and then it becomes a thing where they take her words out of context. Where it was and, really and weird this is the same thing. Time. The same thing with J. Cole and the same thing with J. Cole and the black man. But that's why being educated, we saw it. We all saw it and went right past it. 
And I really do truly feel that there's a level of um, an intellect that does not worship the celebrity. Yeah. And so for the normal human, this would even been blown up. This is two artists expressing themselves through the outlet that they choose to express themselves and having a little shimmy shimmy, if that makes sense. I was, me personally as a black woman who gets offended by a lot of shit, I can get mad about a lot of stuff. I was not mad about what J. Cole had to say, and I was not mad about what No Name had to say. I wasn't personally offended by any of it. So it's more about the people, really. Um, Fuck the people. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, it's more more about the people. It kind of proves his point, where his whole point was, like, what do you gain out of just being mad, basically being mad aggressive when someone is wrong or someone's, like, trying to learn something, right? And I get that. Uh, So No Name herself... I mean, her response, she wasn't, like, super aggressive. She was just like, I mean, why now? Basically, like, why with everything going on, why now? But, which is also funny because she also sent the initial tweet that started this whole thing. But whatever. Her point was, why now? Uh, when people are so quick to cancel J. Cole and, and basically discredit everything that he's done over the past decade, that kind of was the point. It's black people trying to cancel him all of a sudden for making one mistake, which, I mean... There's a couple things that you could say he made a mistake on. But instead of educating him or like trying to put him on game, it became like a thing of like, let's just cancel him altogether. But that's is, media. But no, that was us, like, too. It wasn't just like complex news saying that. That was us. Or at least as far as I can get according to Twitter, that was us saying that. Like, and that is that is the point. What do we gain out of someone who's trying to be an ally, right? J. Cole is obviously trying to be an ally. He's never displayed that he was on some Jason Whitlock shit, like he was against us and all like that. He's displayed quite the opposite. So as soon as he makes a mistake, wherever you want to say the mistake lie, whether it's that you want to say that he was policing tone or anything like that, why is the reaction uh, with so much uh, vitriol of let's just get rid of him altogether, despite all the good that he's done over the past 10 and, years. And not only Why that, not but from that's, a place of education? that's solely because the hypersensitivity of right now and accountability. Right. Okay. I think we're in a position where we're all pissed off. And we and like Solange said, I got a lot to be mad about. We all have a lot to be mad about. Uh it, it seems like we don't know where to focus the anger on. So we're aiming it at every direction. And what happens is there's friendly fire within that. J. Cole this week seemed like he was a uh, friendly fire. This is a guy who's, who's fought the fight. Yeah, he has a white mom. He's at, he, like, he says that he's, um, well, he, he's black. He's black. He's been fighting. He's been protesting for years. He's not new to this. He's been helping out. And then he makes a mistake. And it's like, let's just say fuck him altogether as if he's Jason Whitlock. Let's come from a, like, mm-hmm. it's literally just, why don't we come from a point of like, hey, you were wrong for saying this. Here is where you were wrong. <laughs> X, Y, Z. Don't do that shit again. I love how but Jason Whitlock when, but, but is the prime. When, but what <laughs> about when Kanye gets canceled and when things like that happen? It's It's blatant. The difference is with Kanye. I, I'm not talking about like exactly what he's done specifically, but let's talk about Virgil. Let's talk about all the people that have been canceled in these last couple of weeks because of the hypersensitivity and not calling your PR before you talk. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. And we're not the best with this. Like we are. And that's and that's a and that's not about. I'm not blaming anybody because in the end, as African Americans, let's go back to all the money we lost from. From record companies stealing money from us, not knowing how to write a contract, not having PR, not having a marketing agency to tell me what I can and cannot say. And Mm -hmm. I think that that makes a huge difference on the way we express ourselves because we've never been in this situation to understand that there's a difference between 
the homies having the conversation and me having a conversation with the world. Mm. I think the difference is um, with certain people, if they seem, basically it's like who's willing to learn. So like with J. Cole, he's always seemed like he's someone who's willing to learn. He literally said in the song that he's willing to be corrected, criticized, uh, this, that, and the fourth. And then you get someone who's like Jason Whitlock or something like that, who is kind of set in his ways. He's kind of like, all right, this is the way that I am. I'm not trying to learn. I'm not trying to do all that shit. If you're at that point where you're not trying to learn all that shit, then it's like, all right, fuck it, cancel. Cancel you. I guess where we were hypocrites is more like in Shamik Moore, where he kind of had good intention, <laughs> but he just kept fucking up his wording and kept fucking, like, he was just, honestly, he was just hella ignorant. But it's like, all right, at the heart of what you're saying, you're trying to be down with us, uh, but you just don't know how to speak. No, it, it, he made it so much worse in that situation by consistently trying to, like, just be adamant on that he was on our side and just fucking up and pretty much showing that he was not <laughs> at the end of the day. Right. I mean, so I'm sure he, like, has a, he has good intentions, but it's just the way that he interpreted his message. It came off completely wrong to like 90% of the crowd, which is it's, his it, whole crowd. It's the doubling down on it, right? Yeah. Like he, he said the shit that he said on Twitter in the morning and then he doubled down on it by saying the Rosa Parks coming at night. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, at this point, you're not trying to learn. You're just kind of like who you are. Uh, so it's like, all right, well, fuck you then. If you're not with us, then fuck it. Uh, How about J. this? Cole, J. Cole wasn't that, though. Can we, can we just agree, like, as men and women that we're fighting the same fight? J. Cole was wrong, right? He was, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, he is completely justified. He was wrong in, in, in coming at no name and the timing. And in general, we as black men got to do a better job of, you know, I'm not saying that J. Cole was doing it in this situation, but just, you know, tone policing, man, like, Honestly, like, we can't, like, blame black women for being mad at the world because they have every fucking right to be because they're fighting two fights when we as men are fighting just one. They're fighting a fight against the white oppressor and they're fighting the fight against uh, their black male counterpart who is doing everything to just kind of, you know, discredit them. And on the other end of the spectrum, um, you know, J. Cole, when he says, you know, please educate me, I feel like that's that's the sentiment of a lot of men right now when we're trying to hear... uh, women's you know grievances and we're trying to understand them because we don't understand right and we're, we're making an effort to understand and when we get met with the um the response of google is free she has a book club mm-hmm. and it, it, it just rubs us the wrong way and just like all right then what the fuck right so i think we got to both just kind of make you know some compromises on both sides and just refocus and attack the enemy because the white because man is feeling the, the pressure point. right now and we got to keep applying pressure and step on his neck because that's where the focus is. And you got to attack one thing at a time. There's many different issues that we have to attack. And right now we're focused on this. After we solve this. We're focused this, on the bullshit. And that. that's, but you know what? That's known for us. You know, there's been a lot of things thrown at us in the media to distract us from what the main point is. Whether when people bring up black on black crime on, oh, why are you mad about the white man when you guys kill each other? And little things that divert us away from what the main goal is. And right that's now, exactly what the, this is doing. Right now, the country cannot divert us. Even with this no-name J. Cole thing that's so irrelevant to what's going on right now. As in, we're in a civil fucking war. And nobody's going to be quiet about accountability and nobody's going to be quiet about racism right now. So the no name and J. Cole thing is so minute, even though we need to shine light on it to tell our other black brothers and sisters that this is a, pro- a small problem. We got big fish to fry. Yeah. yeah. 
it, it, yeah, it, it's more. Yeah, it's a conversation. It's like, all right, cool. This it's a subcontext. It's a it's can a we, sub conversation. It's like, can we do this later though? Like, like, can we have this, this conversation later though? Right now. And yeah, saying that as a man might sound insensitive, but damn, that's like. Not on terms of how black women feel about like tone policing and everything. Yes. It kind of unfortunately goes back to the no name tweet of like, all right, your favorite rappers aren't like uh, vouching for us. It's like, all right, well, can we just rock with who is right now? That's what I'm saying because that conversation, it's it's a serious conversation to be had, and I think it's serious enough to where it needs it needs the the same amount of energy that we're putting into attacking white supremacy, into attacking misogyny in the black community. And I feel like I we agree. need to focus our attention after we finish attacking this. And I, I, agree. I get right. that might sound insensitive as a black man, but I that's honestly how I feel. It's for both sides. I personally think the Jake Cohen no-name issue is irrelevant to both of us. That there are bigger problems. There are people being killed by the police. And racism actually has a, a, a front runner right now. So for me to think about what my favorite celebrity is doing is irrelevant. And it's unintellectual for me to give a fuck about what the next man is doing right now when they're killing people in the street. I don't give a fuck what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this, nigga. I need I don't answers. give a <laughs> fuck what 50 Cent got to say. Yeah, I completely Where's agree with Dave Chappelle in this, in, in this Yo, and everything, like, I completely can uh, agree with Dave Chappelle. The only thing I say about, like, um, when people are like, oh, why aren't your, these black celebrities saying anything? I guess I kind of look at it from, it's not that you're a black celebrity per se. It's just that you're black. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I look at it like you're black. And I you agree. getting money doesn't allow you to escape from... You being uh, black. The, yeah, you being black as or, the, or the problems that come with it. You're not O.J. Simpson, as mm-hmm. he tried and to he do. And he didn't get away from and it he, either. He didn't get away from it. So yeah, like, you know, be, being 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 a celebrity or being Dominican doesn't excuse you from being black. Yeah, hey, Dominicans <laughs> are black. Yeah, so it's not Don't like, be funny, Wally. <laughs> so it's not like you being a um, uh, black celebrity. It's just you being black. Like, why don't you uh, feel away? Or, but then it's like, why do I judge that based off what you post? Because, like, some people just don't post in general but they move in different ways so it's like if i don't see you do anything or if you aren't doing anything it's just like all right why uh i get it more extends to some people are black and uh not celebrities but they have money and power and then i look at it like all right if you have money and power in a position to create it doesn't matter what change. your race is well and yeah specifically we gotta, we gotta, if you're black like why aren't you creating some sort of change if you're black and you're in a position to do that i that, personally think that once we get into money economic status voids race and i will continue it, to say that why do you or actually why do you say that why do you i'm not gonna say it as in like white people don't know that we're black but i think black people forget that they're black when they get a lot of money oh are you okay all right, you get all right, what i'm saying i'm not saying that, that, saying that white people forget that we're black when we're billionaires I see what you're saying. i'm saying that black people forget that they're black when they get a lot of money yeah and yeah. and Sometimes yeah. that can be, uh, we want our biggest celebrity to be our role model, but he don't even know he black anymore. Or she don't that's, even know she black you anymore. Know, you know, Tati, I think that's like a genetic issue, to be honest with you. That's been an issue in the history of the black race from when we had other black people selling, selling slaves to the slave ships and other shit. Have you guys ever heard of um, a man by the name of Jack Johnson? Yep, and he used to sell his own fucking people. <laughs> yep. The fucking, the, the, the first, like, black pop culture icon, basically. He was yeah. a fucking... I don't really know much about him. Okay, but. so Jack Johnson was basically the first world-famous um, boxing legend. And he was an yep. African-American man that was um, in his prime in, like, the early 1910s, right? So, almost 100 years ago. And when he um, 
reach like world superstar status, it was still during the Jim Crow era, right? So he was still marginalized as a man. And, you know, white America didn't want to see like a black person um, being the face of the sport. So when he competed for the heavyweight uh, title, I think it was in like 1910 or something, he competed against the heavyweight white man, right? And that was the most viewed sporting event at the time. And like, you got to think, bro, this is like around the time when the automobile was first invented type of shit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so yeah. like this, this fight was seen all over the world. And obviously Jack Johnson uh, being the more, you know, experienced fighter, like he won and white America was pissed. And so they started attacking every black person that was celebrating all over America. Like literally white mobs came in and fucking killed every white person. Just right? as a reaction. Yeah. And like as the years went by and Jack Johnson became more famous and he got more money. What he started doing was flashing his money, which is what we see black celebrities doing now. He started flashing his money in front of the white press. Um, he started dating white women. He had like a bunch of white prostitutes at the same time. And he was just like basically just a show off. So um, they started vilifying him. And Booker T. Washington and W.E. Dubois, they were actually like writing like, you know, statements that were coming out against him, like on, on the basis of. You know, this is a black man who is the first to gain money. And what he's doing with it is he's exploiting his own people and he's making his own people look bad. And we condemn him. And they were saying that like during the height of the Jim Crow era. Right. And so what happens is after he beats this uh, white man for the heavyweight title is white America exiles him. And they Mm -hmm. ended up, um, you know, charging him for a crime that he didn't commit. And the crime that they charged him for was um, transporting a white woman across state lines who was his wife at the time. And his story ends with the fact that he had to leave America in exile. Um, and then he came back like 30 years later, but he wasn't received the same way. So um, I think in the end, even if you sell out your own people and you don't, you know, ride for the black cause per se, it comes back to haunt you in the end anyway. Like black America I comes agree. back to vilify you anyway. And then white America will end up doing so too. So you need to have that support while, you know, you're reaping the fruits of your benefit. Uh, the whole capitalism white supremacy thing like if I look at America the core to me is uh, capitalism as well as white supremacy I think I the root I think the root is money uh, all evil I actually don't think it's evil I think I'm, I'm at that point where I think people are evil I think money is blank until you assign something to it yeah, I down agree. to the original meaning of money and like how we interpret its value is literally what humans place on it and then once you do that, you get the evil that comes from us. We just found an instrument to use it with. It's basically the weapon to carry it out. Oh, like it's the gun that we really like that analogy. Like yeah, it's the gun that we use to kill you. Like we were evil, we just used the gun to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, when I hear that, I, I believe America's root is capitalism. America's root is money. Uh, in this scenario, it's white supremacy. So white people have the money. White people have the power. If you have the money, you have the power. So it becomes white supremacy. And as black people go to gain money, we know that white people are the ones with the money and the power. So in our quest for money, it becomes a it sometimes becomes a quest of white alignment. Exactly. And that's my thing. It's like once you gain money, the white man's like psychological, um, you know, negative impact on you. It comes really to light when you get money because like you you bring to the world stage like 
you know, what, what you really feel about the liberation of your people, per se, right? Because mm-hmm. once you get money and you show the world that you're not, you know, down for the cause, for lack of a better term, it just shows that the capitalist white supremacist system has worked. So I think we got to all be like careful of that and just, just be cognizant of it. If, if, if money is at the source of it and white people are the wielders of money, then their supremacy uh, rules over all. So then you dig into the earlier conversation we had with like colorism, uh, not just within black people, but just all across like different people of color. If white people are the ones with the money and the power, then everybody wants to align to it. So then all of a sudden in different cultures, the lighter skinned people are the ones that are favored versus the darker skinned people. In all cultures. In all cultures, because those are the ones that come off with the power. So I look at a Jack, I mean, from what you just told me, I look at a Jack Johnson, I'm like, that's mad predictable to me. In my mind, that's like mad predictable. And it happened early. It happened right off the heels of slavery, right? Right. And if he's one of the first ones with money, then of course, like if our whole goal taught up is like to, to get money, to make our money and all that stuff. And we believe that one of the main ways to get it is white alignment. Yep. Because if it's white. It's almost like you can't really blame him to a degree. But low key, the <laughs> model the model is is if it's white, it's right. Mm-hmm. Personally, and I feel like I'm gonna speak once again as a black woman. Black women look at the white men very differently than black men do, and I also feel like that's a conversation we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> but I do think the way the black man looks at the white man compared to the way the white compared to the way the black woman looks at the white man is very different, and we know that they think. We know what they think. We know that they think white is right. We know what their their spectrum is, so we're not really like slapped in the face when we're we're discriminated against and when we have to be aggressive. And that's why we are more aggressive because we know what's coming. But I I think that sometimes with money, black men forget that. Because as a man, you're you're looked at more respectively with money as a black man than you are with a as a black woman. Yep. And it, and it I think, comes yeah, down to that. We got to do that. a better job of being all inclusive, right? So when we talk yeah, about black both lives of matter, us do. as 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 black men, we got to include you know the LGBT community. We got to include women, and we we're not we're not as vocal about that as we are about you know other you know black men being killed. And that have. He encouraged me and been I, I can name a lot of white men that have actually been mentors to me but when I think about the fact that I'm I'm a black woman it really does change the perspective in which they teach me and which they know and if I was not a gay black woman and I didn't demand the respect and the aggressiveness and the masculinity that I do respect up front and I do demand up front which I was beaten down for years about mm-hmm. which a lot of black women do not demand this respect and you guys know that, and that's why we're here today. I've, I've gotten beaten down. I've gotten death threats. I've gotten whatever the case is for being a strong, and not saying all black women aren't strong, but for me looking at myself in a masculine way, putting myself in the business conversation, buying property, buying cars, putting myself in the man's play field it, it, you was gotta tough. Work. So a black man has to work twice as hard as the white man, but a black woman has to work four times as hard because she's got to work twice as hard as the black man. Yep. And it's not the black I'm I'm you know personally I haven't had my black father loved me so deeply. 
I am not scorned by that. I was raised in a two-parent family where my black father loved me like any black queen on the planet. So I'm not speaking out of a, a hurt heart for black men. I love them more than I probably could love myself, and that's why I probably don't date them, because I know that I would be engulfed in them, because I know they, they, mm. they need that love, and they love that love, and I want to give it to them. I think what we um, essentially need to go back to is, you know, I don't want to turn this into a gender war, because we're on the same it side. Isn't. We have the same enemy. But the, challenge, the challenge for us is um, getting, you know, each side of the gender spectrum to ride for us as hard as the other. When it comes yeah. to, you know, situations that don't directly affect them. So I we think gotta we got to ego. Yeah, we got to do a better job of as men assessing our privilege and and using that to help our women. Right. And I think. Yeah. Better job of being open minded, being more patient. Understanding being, yes. You don't know. And it's up to me to describe it and make you understand, but not in an aggressive way, not in a way where I need to embarrass you or be mad at you because you don't know. I'm here to teach you. Educate, and and it's, yeah. up to, it's up to me to teach other black women when we're talking about black men that regardless of how frustrated we get or how already mad we are at the white man, that we can't take that out on our brothers and sisters. We can help the ones that want to be helped, the ones that want to coon off with Donald Trump. Y'all can have a good time. Whitlock. The ones that, yeah. that want to understand them <laughs> is us starts being patient, talking in a lighter tone, which I understand sometimes that turns you guys off when we talk a little crazy. But that's because I'm not a white woman, and I don't give a fuck if you want me or not. In the end, I'm talking to you ground level. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not um, necessarily talking a lighter tone, because um, I think we think if if we educate someone, it, it means an absence or even forgiving some sort of accountability. I agree. Like it doesn't mean like if you educate me after I make a mistake, it doesn't mean that I'm not accountable I'm not for that mistake. Yeah. Uh, for that for anymore. Like yeah, I made that mistake. I did all that, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't even mean that you should just forgive it in the midst of you educating me. It doesn't mean that you should forgive me immediately. It just means that I made a mistake. Uh, but unlike a Jason Whitlock, this is someone who's in this in this case. I know Jason. Jason Whitlock. I love that you guys use him as an example. He's the example because he's he's the perfect he example the, of what not to he, be. He is the Uncle Ruckus in real life. You could sub it out for Ben Carson, who does voluntary ignorance. Like, like, which means you're not really ignorant. Uh, you just choose to act like you're ignorant in the best interest of you growing. Of growing your profile. Hey, hey, ben, like, ben Carson like, is like if Uncle Ruckus wasn't funny. He's more like if Jack Johnson was here now. Because yeah. he's like, all right, I have this position of power. I have this money and I want to keep it and I want to grow it. Why are you in the political field if your whole field has been medical this whole time? Okay, okay. And then your position within the political field has nothing to do with uh, being medical. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's just you you see power, you have power, you want to grow your power. Uh, and you've decided that you're okay with hurting black people at the expense of you growing your power within your family. And, your and, and bro, so, the, on, the only way to address that is if, like we just did, is make compromises on both sides. And I think we can we can just leave it at that. No, no. Well, because we're creeping no, up the, on over a half, an hour and a half of recording. <laughs> well, okay. Let's go on to the NBA. Let's talk about nah, the NBA fucking game. Hour, you know, yeah, so yeah, good. I love it. Hey, okay, guys, we didn't have this many people on. It's going to be longer. Yeah, yeah we It's all up. Hey. It's all love. Like, I'm not, I'm not even, even mad. mad. Right? Fuck dinner, right? 
Let's say into the next topic. We're going to segue into how you guys feel about the NBA coming back. Let's talk about Kyrie. Can we talk about that real quick? For real though. Like, can we, can we, like, even if it's just like five, ten minutes, right, can we hey, talk hey, about hey, that? Because hey, that hey. shit crazy. Real <laughs> shit. I'm not going to lie. For me personally, I don't see nothing wrong with what Kyrie did. My only flaw with it is how you going to have a plan without an action? That's all. That's all I got to say about Kyrie. But at the end of the day, this man hit that game winner. So he forever good in my book. I don't care what he does, bro. <laughs> can, we start with, can we start with what he did? But so, I will okay, say okay, this, okay. bro. Like, if you're going to demand a fucking change, at least come with, come with a opinion. Or come so, with one item that you think you could change. Hey. Don't just say, fuck the system, and then oh, just walk oh, away. So, hey, for those of you who are not aware, okay. right? The NBA announced a plan to return back to action. I think it was like two weeks ago. July 30th, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to start um, the NBA season again, according to what their plan is, on July 30th. And they're going to have eight regular season games for the 22 teams in the NBA that still have a chance to make the playoffs, East and West, right? So these 22 teams are going to play eight regular season games each, and those regular season games will determine um, the seeding of the playoffs. And then they'll play the playoffs like normal, as if there was no COVID-19 rounds, yada, 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 right? And they'll have a championship. But, um, unfortunately, the, their plan comes at a time where there is hella civil unrest, right? And so Kyrie comes out as the vice president of the NBA Players Association and says, look, we are not ready to play right now. There's bigger shit going on. Fuck the season. Let's postpone it. And then there's a bunch of NBA players that are backing his, um, his claim to that. And then there's a bunch of NBA players that are saying, nah, fuck you. We want to play. And you not playing shows that you're a pussy, yada, 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 right? Hey, real quick. He said it has two different uh, points, though. Like, him, the player, like Kyrie, he, that's his position. Him as an NBA... His position comes from, it comes from Kyrie Irving, the human being, and I will not argue that. Like, okay, I'm, so, I'm with Kyrie 100%. No, but we have to separate. I mean, like, literally, we have to separate. It'll make sense. So, NBA, play, NBA player Kyrie says... That's his stance. He's like, I don't really want to uh, go back and play. Granted, he's already injured. It's not like he'd be playing. Granted, anybody. he ain't been playing either. Right. No, nah, right, but right, that, right. that's irrelevant because he's, he's the VP. He's, he's like the VP. But okay, but like, hold on. Him, that's the, for you, Ronnie. Him, the individual player, is like, I'm kind of against going into the Orlando bubble. Because I'm going to mm-hmm. be anyways. Him, the NBA uh, Players Association VP, was like, hey, that's how I feel. Can we at least have a discussion about this before we just blindly agree to going to Orlando? So him as the VP representative was like, hey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't represent the players. And while this is how I feel, can we talk about this? That was the whole premise of everything. Can we? That's how I feel. But can we talk about this? Which he said that on behalf of him and as well as other players. Can we talk about this? And then he got flamed <laughs> after, yeah. afterwards, which was like, what the fuck? But like, you know what? The cancel like, culture is really bad right now, and I'm not with it, as in, like, what's going on on social media, as in, oh, we're going to cancel this person, we're going to cancel this person. So I think the cancel culture is extra, and I do believe that he was just starting up a conversation to say, hey, you know, fucking 90% of African Americans are in the NBA, NFL, and we make it spectacular. We make it big. So they want to bring the NBA back to distract us, but really, 
I don't, I'm not going to showboat for y'all no more, even though I love basketball and I love to dribble a ball. It, it, it's an expression of myself, just like African-American music, just like hip-hop. But at some point, especially right now, specifically, which we haven't seen before, yep. people are taking a step back saying, I love basketball, but I'm playing basketball for the white man, the white man's shake. Yep. Hey, and- Ty, hey I, I feel you on that, but tell me if I'm wrong with this thinking. You're never wrong. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, that's that. no joke. Your opinion's not. Nah, nah, for wrong. real. Like, as far as like the NBA coming back, is it me or am I tripping when I when I see the people that's opposed to it are the ones that's not in contention? <laughs> niggas aren't in shape, niggas are fat, been eating chips. Like, nah, no, 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 no. Hey, not not even not being in shape. I'm talking about if you know damn well. Yeah, Obviously, I'm gonna put it this way: Kyrie is the clutch game winner, bucket getter, even before that shot. You know what I mean? And I get that. But does he honestly think that his Nets is gonna have a chance to even compete like that? You know what so I mean? That's, that's why I said he's speaking as a VP representative, not the player. Because if he's speaking as a player, then it's like, well, you're injured and your team isn't going to the playoffs anyway. So, uh, it so what difference matter. does it make? So he, no, no, I, he, hey. So it doesn't matter, is what I'm saying, because he's speaking as vice president of the players, one of the vice presidents of the players' association. He's speaking from a different perspective. He's speaking on no, behalf hey, of a majority black hey, league. Hey, no, no, hey, trust me, bro. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to argue with that fact. My thing is, wouldn't it not be easier for him to make that point if his team was actually in contention? Because that gives way for no, no. I get okay. you. Like, if he was, yeah, if he just, was like, if he was the point guard of the Lakers, about. right, and he already had, uh, he was already like in the front running to win a championship. I exactly. still feel like Kyrie would have this position, and the public would receive it differently. That's a good. Hey, point. I'm not. I, hey, I'm not even talking about just Kyrie. I'm talking about in in the sense of all the players that are against it. When you look at like a majority of them, like a lot of the ones that are in agreement with it, maybe that's just my feeling. Maybe that's just my. Feeling. So why did why did Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard come out and agree with Kyrie then? They're well, first. The of, so I mean, I don't think that has any weight to it, right? Like they literally are agreeing with them and saying. Well, no, it, it has weight right to it. Side. It has weight to it in the sense of how the public receives it, right? So there's a lot of like non, like black people. We get it. We get 100 where Kyrie's coming from. But there's a lot of people that are just fans of the NBA that are not black that are like, oh, you know, Kyrie's injured. Oh, uh, Kyrie is, is is you know, like it's that type of narrative. And, and hold on to that right there, right? That's that's the point of how quick we are to go to. This is, this is the extension of the Black Lives Matter thing. Because if you value black lives and want us to live, then you have to be able to actually listen to what we say, right? So the extension, and, and that doesn't mean when you make X amount of dollars, millions of dollars, that we all of a sudden don't listen to what you say. Here's a black man trying to make a point in behalf of his pretty much black and European league, uh, mm-hmm. saying that this might not be in the best interest, not to mention the whole pandemic that's going on, but right now might not be the best time. And look how fast we are to go from Fuck what you. he's actually saying to, oh, well, your team isn't in the playoffs, boom, 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 and boil it just back down to basketball, when his whole point is much larger than a basketball point in and of itself. But look hey, how quick it we buck, are. Bro. Like, hey, it, it's I, a I gotta play in which people are to though, do that, which me. bothers me. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'll say I gotta play devil's advocate, otherwise it's gonna no, be. No, no, no. I, 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 I got that. I got that. I agree. No, no, I got you because that is what people are saying. But that is the point, and and that and while I know Kyrie said dumb stuff, he said a lot of dumb shit over the years. Uh, the core and crux of what he was saying, if you look past the dumb shit, 
which I don't blame you if you don't, <laughs> is something worth getting behind, which essentially is like, yo, I'm a human, I'm an individual, please don't boil me down into a basketball player or this, that, and the fourth. Yeah, like, I think it doesn't like, take a rocket scientist to figure out why the NBA is not needed right now. And right. people need to understand that, right? And there's a counter argument that says we can do both. We can be entertained, and then after we're entertained, we can be activists. But that's easier said than done, bro, because it's easy for you as a black activist, but what about the white allies that we've picked up as free agents over the past two months, right? So right. what if the NBA comes back and then they find something else to fucking distract themselves with? Well, Then we lose those allies for the time being. It's hey, just, let me ask I, don't, you. I, I don't know. To, to be honest, I don't, I don't know what would happen if they brought it back in Orlando. First of all, it shouldn't be It important. would, without Florida's a doubt, cause hit. a distraction, like I think. Well, the thing is, the people that, while they say you have a bigger platform, the people that are watching the NBA aren't watching it in interest of watching a protest. So they're interested in watching a basketball game. So there's mm-hmm. already that. It's not like people are looking to hear that. And then the other side of it is, once the NBA says that we're in favor of the Black Lives Matter movement, I know a lot of corporations have said that, but if you're actively playing games and gaining revenue and you understand that you know that your players are going to protest, then that's going to become something to monetize, especially because there's a, a name. Black Lives Matter is the brand name for it. It's that's going to be like something. Like, hey, Kev. Yeah. Hey, hey let, like, me, let me ask like, do you think that this whole, what's going on with Kyrie, right? You think that this would be different if somebody like, not even just LeBron, um, somebody like Kawhi or somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody that was higher up in the sense of like public acceptance of, damn, this is one of the goats in our league right now compared to Kyrie saying something like this would have more of an effect. I personally feel that the only person that would make a bigger effect is LeBron James. Yep, I was just going to say the same shit. Nah, I, hey, think, see, things, I, I wasn't even whatever. trying to boil it down to LeBron. I'm, I'm, I'm specific, like, bro, because Kev brought it up earlier, like, okay, like, people want to say because he's injured this and that, it kind of invalidates what he's talking about. Anybody no, no, else? I, I personally feel that LeBron James is the spokesperson for the NBA. Even is, though he yeah, may well, not is, and I feel like whatever LeBron says goes regardless of however good the players are or whatever the fuck the players say. Basically. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what the fuck anybody says. If you're not LeBron James, everybody's not going to go with this. So you're going to have pushback. LeBron so what's this? Uh, hey, so what's this not saying that it had, like, anything? LeBron's a bad person for not taking the same the stance as Kyrie. So Kyrie's going to get criticism sense, what is in this, general because he's a What does this say about player? LeBron as far as say that again? not... No, I was saying like... Obviously, um, with Kyrie saying what he had to say, if LeBron said the same thing, what would this? Obviously, I, I get what y'all saying. This like uh, the message that Kyrie was saying would reach a lot further if it came from somebody like LeBron. But LeBron not even talk. Uh, not well, first of all, the same stance. First of all, LeBron has a proven track record of fighting oh, yeah, for these yeah, issues, yeah. right? No, but I, I'm not even trying to. I'm not trying to question that. I'm just specifically speaking about this. Yeah, this no, situation. no, yeah, it's both. So yeah, LeBron, just, LeBron <laughs> didn't take LeBron didn't take Kyrie's side, and I let me just make very clear that he doesn't have to, right? And we yeah. shouldn't we shouldn't vilify him or just like paint him to be something that he isn't because he's not agreeing with Kyrie and he wants to bring the NBA season back. Because there's a legitimate argument to be had that if you bring the NBA season back, that you can amplify the voice of activism that's going on right now to a wider audience that just wants to watch basketball, right? But I think um, if LeBron were to take Kyrie's side, I think it would turn into a whole Colin Kaepernick type of situation where, like, 
you know, all the white viewers of the NBA, they already feel some type of way about LeBron. Let's just be honest, yeah, right? Right. Right. Well, so, there was no side to begin with. Though. No, because like, they're, they're looking. No they're side. looking for some type of civil um, injustice type of thing to to pin against LeBron. That's why the whole China thing was so huge. Because oh, LeBron's a China sympathizer, right? He's against America. So once they finally find that thing to where they can say, oh, he's anti-America, then there's going to be like a white boycott of the NBA to a degree. Yeah, it's weird. Hey, it's you weird. think that's why he didn't say anything? I, I think so. I think because he has too much power within the NBA structure to where, you know, if he says the wrong thing, then it could negatively impact the NBA's money. And well, it's, it's nonsense, really, because, like, Kyrie didn't, the, the VP, hasn't made a definitive position yet. So there's nothing for, uh, by that logic, there's nothing for LeBron to, there's no side for LeBron to support because the VP didn't actually say anything. I think LeBron saying anything, not saying anything, puts him lower, which is good because he's not trying to, he under, I think personally LeBron understands what Kyrie and the other players are trying to do, so that's why he's not blatantly coming out and like, I'm not with that. Yeah. He may not not be with it on his own time, but he's not blatantly coming out like, I'm not with that. I'm not because he knows what Kyrie's trying to do. So he's just kind of sitting in the back. And let's not mention these guys have basketball forever, and we don't know, we don't know anything. And I always want, as I step on any kind of film, to everybody to put that into their head that we don't know these per- people personally. We don't know yeah. any of these people personally that we're talking about. We have never met them. We do not know them. We can just make opinions on them. So I personally think LeBron is sitting back because he wants everybody to see what Kyrie's doing. And to take it as a full-fledged as if he was doing it the same way. Yeah, and just going back to that whole China thing, I think, I think like, LeBron, with this situation, I think he kind of, like, learned from his mistakes with the whole China situation, and he doesn't want to speak too early, too soon, um, on behalf of the NBA, because the NBA is seen as a white power structure. And I don't think that was really visible to him before, and I think now that's pretty clear to him with everything that's going on. Well, so what I'm saying, if you go with what Kyrie, the VP of the NBA PA is saying, yeah. Is that he hasn't actually made a position? His whole point was let's start a dialogue. Yeah, like I started. So there's no particular side to go off of. But then you got to understand, KD, just, it's 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 the it's the headlines that make it seem like there's a side versus the other. So the headlines the and the media, this, this, and that's this, what we really need to be attacking. Is this the media. Is, this is a segue to this how sports media is interpreting this. So again, I, I think of everything in, in my mind when I look at the outside world. I think of everything in mind. Like remember. That capitalism is a system you're under, and that money is the focal point that you operate under. Sorry, spilling tequila. Do thing. So everything reverts back to the position of we're trying to make as much money as possible. So the media is looking at like, hey, we've been a quarantine for months. Months. Our money is hurting. Our ratings are hurting. Our our, our viewership is hurting. Months. So we're gonna be in the position of, hey, we need the NBA to come back because we need to make money. That's the position that we're taking. So if anyone says anything otherwise, we're flaming you. So then you enter uh, Stephen A. Smith, enter Kendrick Perkins, uh, people like that. So those are black people within the system of, of ESPN, a company of the conglomerate of Disney, who know that they make more money, the, the, the company makes more money if NBA is back. Sometimes producers tell you what position to pick on your shows. So, in first take, it seems like Stephen A. has a position that he wants. Well, I mean, because, Kellerman, yeah, that's the thing. Max Stephen A. Stephen A. is the highest paid... I said the highest paid player. He's the highest paid... Uh, <laughs> Basically. He's the highest paid analyst at ESPN. So, so by default, so, he has to take their stance on it. The producers sometimes tell you what positions to take. 
uh, in the best interest of driving ratings. So, like, there's a lot of points where Stephen A. and Max probably agree off rip on, but it's a debate show. So, so most of the time, you'll see uh, Max Kellerman play devil's advocate. That's why and, like, and not to cut you off, like he not to cut you off, so much. but just, just going off that. All right. Yeah, so it's for those, those, conversation. So the, I look at it, I don't think Stephen A is that. I don't think Kendrick Perkins is that. I, I think they operate within that media sphere of those are two black people within sports media that believe in respectability politics. Uh, for the people that are listening that don't know what respectability politics is, it's basically the idea, I'm going to say black, but you could sub it for pretty much any race uh, that's not white. It's the idea that you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and work your way into a position where you don't have to deal with racism and discrimination and that you can have a position of power. So, like, if you're black, if you basically appease white people or your white executives enough, you can get the higher level contracts. You can get the position of power. That's been a thing. That's been a thing for decades. And it turns out that that actually doesn't work. You might get the money for it, as you see a Stephen A, but you don't actually get the position of power that comes with it because you're still an employee. You can still get fired. You can still do all that stuff. Enter Stephen A. He always speaks in reference to black issues from the perspective of respectability politics of if you appease the, the, the company, you can get what you want. That's why, like, when Colin Kaepernick didn't want to do the NFL workout that waived all his rights, he was like, why don't you just listen to the NFL and sign the damn waiver? Because that's in favor of the company. That's why, uh, in reference to speaking of Kyrie, he's like, yo, Kyrie and, and Dwight Howard are no different than the looters and rioters. That's because the company believes that. So he speaks in favor of the company. That That's the real issue to me. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that really what he said? That's what he said. That was his. That was his position. Um, uh, he was like, "Yo, how are Kyrie and Dwight Howard different than the rioters and the looters in the streets? Because how does bro that get help the us? fuck out of here? Yeah, bro. are you serious? So, but I understand. I understood it when the Kaepernick workout uh, happened on Kaepernick's own terms. Uh, that Stephen A. While he's it, it's not like he's not a black person. He is, and I, we, I'm not going to invalidate that. That's fucking rude. It's just he speaks from a different perspective of respectability politics. Kendrick Perkins is very much the same. He speaks from a position of, hey, I'm trying to get a higher level in this role. I'm trying to get some power. I'm trying to get some money. So I'm going to say X, Y, and Z, whether I believe it or not, so that way I can get some more power. It's respectability well, politics. I think um, just based... Just to wrap it up here, just based off of the record of the NBA, I think what they're going to end up doing is listening to the players. I believe in Adam Silver, and I believe in all of and, and all and all the leadership of of the NBA. I believe they are allies, so I will give them the benefit of the doubt for now. So I think I think they will do the right thing, like what their track record shows, and they will postpone starting the NBA until um, you know all these racial tensions are kind of like dissolved. And I think if they were smart, they're going to do it under the crux of COVID-19 because you're seeing the cases spike up right now. So I think um, uh, there's a couple I think Adam Silver is going to manipulate that into, you know, we're just going to like postpone the season. You don't think they're going to go straight into it as if they've already had it planned out? I, just because you just because you got to think about how many obstacles they'd have to face just to plan out that whole start date and like when the season is going to go. And I feel like not saying not to take away from what they should be doing, but I feel like. The NBA is already so set in its ways to like start the season that it's kind of hard to go back on it. Like, 
you're gonna need the voice of the, you're gonna need the voice of the NBA LeBron to say something in order for them to even consider going back on it. That's my only thing. It depends on what happens with Florida, bro. You pick the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida is currently getting hit with hard. their like hit hard again with another predictable wave of COVID nineteen. So if you go by the trend of what Florida is going through, you might just be able to say fuck the season without LeBron saying anything, but just off hey. We it's all for the strength of COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's and the best There's only case so scenario. many different that ways that you can um, prevent that. There's only so many different ways that you can protect the players. At some mm-hmm. point, it's like a let go and let God situation. It's like, mm-hmm. well, fuck, man. And we, once Carl Anthony bad. Towns' mother passed away from COVID, I think that really did shine some light on players being like, uh, yeah, I can't come and play with you guys, but I'm seeing my homeboy's mom died and this person uncle's died, and they're like. All right, bro. Basketball, we're sweating, I was, we're spitting, we're bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, when it comes to athletics, and I think that's why athletics haven't came back yet, it's because the way COVID is breath. You're breathing so hard on the basketball court. You're trying to figure it out. And I know UFC has came back, but that's because Joe Rogan does not care about his players, and we can, we can put that out there straight up. <laughs> Joe Rogan is trying to line his pockets, and that's why there's been UFC fights. I mean, Dana White. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. Joe Rogan and Dana White are trying to fucking get their shit together, and that's why there's been UFC fights. But the NBA gives a fuck about their players, and I always will agree with that. Over the NFL, over the NHL, MLB, the NBA, and Adam Silver cares about their players. Right. And because bro, they bro, care bro, about their bro. Players, this nigga, this nigga Steve Nash used to dribble up court while licking his fingers. Exactly. So, and <laughs> I think that because Adam Silver knows what goes into basketball, because he actually connects with his players, he's going to give them the option to do whatever the fuck they want to do. And that's why the MLB is at this standstill right now, and the NFL's at this standstill because they don't have that relationship with their players. They don't care about their players. Yeah. They display them They care about this capitalism. It goes back to the capitalism route. I believe that the NBA is probably going to end up canceling the season or they're going to do a few games and then We're going to do a little, we're gonna do a little Drew League tournament. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a few games and then realize that, like, yo, things aren't getting as, better. As Let's much as go. I want that to happen, like I was going to say I don't feel like it's going to happen. I feel like they're going to continue all the season. Unfortunately, personally, what I, what I think is going to happen. I just don't want to hear no shit when the Lakers went talking about, oh, it's a COVID championship. No, I want to hear that shit, Ronnie. I'm with you. You ready to laugh about it? I'm not ready. I want to see him win a ring. I want to see him win a ring. It's going to happen just because it's LeBron. Look at him laughing. I don't want nothing to do with it. I want to see hey, him. Look. I want to see him get a ring. It, yeah, it's just like hey, no. all I gotta say is if LeBron don't win a ring and Kawhi do, don't don't be blaming Kobe. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Just, hey, they, they can't be a double standard. You feel me? We on two no, points. He got a he got a two sided nickel. Hey, hey, hey this is a single point, <laughs> two sided one side <laughs> debate right now, bro. He got if double LeBron loses, don't blame Kobe. I'm telling you right now, the Clippers win the championship and pulling out double standards. I'm just going to let you know now. I'm pulling out. <laughs> Clippers win the championship. Kawhi might be the fucking GOAT, bro. What? No, no, stop. All right, we're not going to even get into this. We're not, we're not dignifying this. Y'all, no, hey, hey, listen, before, 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 please, hey, listen, listen, before we go into a rap conversation, now is a great time to wrap it up. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's do it, Ooh, Bar, bar. All right, Ronnie, do your shit, bro. Shit, y'all. Let's nah, go. Man. Hey, real quick, we want to give a shout out to thank you to Tot, Avery, KD, and the one and only Ahmed for joining us on this, you know what I mean? It's a long ass podcast. Y'all made me miss dinner already and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Happy 
But you know, it is your boy Ronnie. I'm out. And I am Waleed, the other side of the coin. And before we officially hit end, um, I just want to thank our guests for coming on here. Um, and I want to say arrest the killers that uh, murdered Breonna Taylor. Let's Thanks. Do it. Sorry, dog. Arrest those fucking bastards, man. <laughs>